Let's read together from Acts chapter 6. Now, at this time, as the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint developed on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews. Because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of the food, So the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, It is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Instead, brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. The announcement found approval with the whole congregation, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicolaus, a proselyte from Antioch. And they brought these men before the apostles, and after praying, they laid hand, hands on them, and the word of God kept spreading, and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. This is the word of the Lord. In this little piece of history, the first church in Jerusalem, we not only find a a wonderful picture of what it means to live with God, but we also receive a how, especially how to handle challenges that comes our way. It's a great gift. And we can illustrate it on a diagram and The first question that they answered when they were confronted with the challenge was, who are we? Who are we? What's our identity? Why are we here? Uh, What are we all about? What's our core values? And then the second question was, where are we? It changes all the time. I've got to have a good idea of my situation, of the reality that I find myself in. And then they answer the question, where do we want to go? What's our dream? What do, we, what do we believe is God's will for us to do? And then they answer the question, now how are we going to get there? Now this is a very interesting dynamic that is actually at work in all of us, and a lot of us not consciously at all. But if you, for instance, uh, in a leadership position, this would be your definition of leadership. Who are we? What's our business about? What can we do? What can we give? What are we producing? And then we have to look at the market. Um, who's the people we're producing it to? Where are they? And then... What do we want to be? Where do we want to take this business? And then how are we going to get there? 
But on a, on, a, on a meso level, it's actually something that we're also doing to, to, to an extent with our families and our households. But a lot of times we haven't got a good sense of who we are as a household. What's our gifts? What's our passions? Why are we here? And um, what's our situation like? Where are we at this moment? We, sometimes we just have a, yeah, I want to put everybody through the university or something like that, a goal that we live with. But everything should come from this deep question of identity before we can move on to other aspects of how do I live this life? And it's so important to do it on a personal level. I mean, Paul says in Galatians 5 that you've got to make a careful exploration of who you are and the work. But if you don't know who you are and what you have and why you're here, you can't go to the what, what must I do and understand your circumstances. And you've got to have a strategy, a way that can help you to move forward towards the vision of your life. Today, we're going to focus on this work that was done by our leadership for us as Mosaic Congregation. In the week, uh, our formation series would revolve around a personal application of Acts chapter 6 in your life. So here's the first question. Who are we? We are the body of Christ. That means that we are part of him, united with him. To use an expression often used by Paul in the New Testament, we are in Christ and Christ is in us. It's so difficult to explain it. You can't really understand it. You can understand something of it, but not really. But you can experience it. That's the wonder of a mystery. You don't have to know it to experience it. And if you experience something of what it means to be in Christ, your consciousness will shift and you begin to sense God's presence in your life. Your, your intuition will be switched on and you will intuit things. But, but, but God's at work here. I've just got a sense of being in God and God being in me. And it's a wonderful experience. It takes away a lot of stress and pain and fear out of your life if you grow in this consciousness. But you'll also start to develop an understanding that you are not alone in this. You're only a part of the body of Christ. You're a hand, for instance, and you'll meet a mouth. And you realize, I need the other members of the body. And you will eventually, as you grow, grow from, from, an, from a very dependent to an independent to an interdependent type of relationship. Because God will come to you and meet your needs of knowledge through people that have a gift of teaching, of healing, through people that have the gifts of healing and, and th- consolation. If you're in a bad place of desolation in your life, God will mainly minister to you through the body and the gifts that's in the body. 
But you will discover something else. That being part of the body means that I'm part of the physical presence of Christ in this world. And through us, he is busy doing something. And Luke, the writer of this um, book of Acts, says in Acts chapter 3, that he is busy restoring everything in life. Life is broken and it might look very insignificant at this moment. And the prophets warn and say, don't laugh at it. Compared to the kingdoms of this world, this kingdom looks like nothing. But this kingdom will eventually conquer the world. That's what he's busy with and that's who we are. And, and in a very unique way, you know, we are part of the body of Christ. Every church is part of the body of Christ. And just as people, churches have personality. They have strengths. They have weaknesses. And we, we can't be the same. We shouldn't be the same. I mean, uh, John had this vision of Jesus walking amongst the 12, uh, the seven congregations in minor Asia. And, and he had a word for every one of them. And it's so interesting. There wasn't a blueprint for a church. This is what church should be like for every church. He had a different word. Because every church is in a different situation. And we can even be two churches right next to each other. But we will be living in a different world. We have different connections, different gifts, different personalities. We are all important. And that's who we are. And we've got gifts. So we asked the congregation a few years ago, What's, what do you think is our main gifts as, a, as the body of Christ? And here's the three things. Awakening was the biggest. So Seeker said that I felt so welcome. I wasn't condemned. I was surprised. I, I was so, I, I was seeking and more spirituality than religion. And I found something of it. My mind was blown and I was drawn to it. A people that said, the well dried up. Where I grew up, couldn't get anything anymore. When I got here, I just realized how big this thing is of living with Christ. And I was drawn into it. Our spirituality is the next big gift. We've got an ecumenical spirituality. We are not just evangelical. We are not just Pentecostal or charismatic. We are not just contemplative or monastic. Um, we are all three of those main streams in the Christian tradition. We are on our way of integrating from the place from where we are. And then people said, it's so soulful. A lot of people used words like, it's beautiful. Everything is so intentionally thought through, arty, you know, and that's our, that's our gifts. And it's important not to project your gift. You know, people come from other churches, say, you oh, know, you don't do that, you don't do that, you don't. But they're projecting the place where they come from or according to their gifts. But we shouldn't do it either. To think that everybody should be ecumenical and it's not right if a church is in another way. We are all called differently. But the core, our core values, our identity lies in three things. The three movements, the three colors, and the poor. The three movements is to go deeper, 
to move closer and to go further with your life. It's the three commandments of Jesus. You should love God, go deeper. You should love each other, go closer. And you should go into this world, go into the world. It's the three big uh, relationships. I thou, I you, I it relationships that we live in. Three colors, ecumenical. Um, not, we gave a color to, to every stream and we say three colors. And then the poor is actually our entry point in getting in touch with the pain of this world. And like Jesus, he was deeply moved and he lived in contact with the pain of this world. And, um, and, and we want to become people of compassion. That's our main thrive. Where are we? So important to define reality, and that's what they did. What's really happening? It can take you months in therapy to realize what's really going on. Because the story that you tell yourself, the way that you frame your story will determine the decisions that you make with your life. I have a friend who always asked me, after I've told my story, he would reframe it and he would say, so is this the story you are telling yourself? And sometimes I just visit him to get that question at the end because he frames and he helps me understand what's going on in my life. You know, And of course, we can be so one-dimensional. It's just the things that happen to me. That's all what, it's just physical. That's the story of my life. No, but what do you feel? What's happening in your relationships? That, that has a psychological, and some people only live with a psychological framing of their situation. But where's God in this? What's God doing through this? You know, it will determine your life. And that's what the first church in Jerusalem did. They said, this is what's good. This is challenging, and um, reality is multi-layered, and both of them are, are very important. So we're not going to focus on the good things, but yes, the two big challenges for us, the post-COVID reality that we find ourselves in, the playing field, and not just of the church, of business, has changed forever. During COVID, we went online, no in-person. After COVID, small attendance in person, bigger online. But our online community grew. And we are only at 70% of what we were before COVID. So some people stopped going to church altogether. Some people left. We exposed to other options and chose other options. Some people are just online, not coming back in person. The biggest part of the congregation is hybrids now, uh, but it has a big impact on us as having, being a church. Um, they're coming to church less frequent. And another thing that we find is that financial contributions is directly connected to, at this stage, to in-person contact. Our financial contributions is down. And then we have... Immigrants, 
people that left the congregation and that moved to other places. But that some of them are still hybrids. They are still looking at coming to our church on Sunday with us. We have people that are totally committed. I think of three friends in the Eastern Cape that are um, attending church online every Sunday. They still have their ministry. They're running their ministry online. And they are still tithing here. Not still. They're going to still. They're going to tie here. They're going to stay here. They are part of this congregation, although they would only visit the church a few times during the year when they in this area. But there are other people like the expats, the people that immigrated in different countries. Some of them moved to other churches, but some of them are still part of this church. And then we have a new phenomena. There's a huge crowd, people that just attend our services Online, I would say at least once a week, I meet somebody that tells me, thank you so much for Mosaic. Mosaic is my church. Um, that's the only place that I attend church online, but it's part of the crowd. Second big phenomena, demographic changes. Past few years, two new sco- schools were erected in uh, Fairland. Both of them are English. This is not just happening around the church. It's happening in the 20-minute radius around the church where 80% of our people are living. Our world are changing. Third important thing. Where do we want to go? Where do we want to go? So here's a diagram. Uh, We have a new collective name for the four community hubs. And that is the Mosaic family. So we're going to talk about the Mosaic family and that would refer to the four community hubs that's coming into being now. Now, elders is in charge uh, of the Mosaic community, and the three main tasks is the vision, dogmatic and ethical situations that can't be handled in grassroots, and for the unity of the Mosaic family. Now, our first hub is Mosaic, and that's the Afrikaans assembly. This hub is established, and uh, this is at this moment the basis from where every activity and every hub is running from at this stage. And of course, uh, we think in the future that there would be a greater interaction amongst the hubs and a, a greater interdependency in these hubs as these hubs grow to in their stature. Our dream for the Afrikaans community is to Keep on growing. And it's time for renewal, we think. You know, there's a theory in, in marriage circles that um, your marriage has got to be reintegrated every 10 years. There's a natural but a very positive disintegration happening during the time that you also grow in the 10 years. So it should be reintegrated. Now wonder whether we're not at that stage. And this dream, of course, of the four hubs can open up the door for new life 
to come in in our community as well. The second hub is Origins. Origins is the emerging hub. That's our retreat space uh, where we follow Jesus' example to withdraw from the city and of all our business just to be alone with God. It is a, a, a retreat exercise. It's part of the contemplative tradition. Now, the experience is fundamental. It is formational in our walk and our life with God. And at this moment, we had 1,500 people attending retreats at Origins last year. And again, this is an ecumenical experience. People from all different denominations. Even had a few people from other faiths that attended retreats in the past year. Something's happening there. And then there's Ia Mosaic. This is a new emerging hub. Now, uh, the Ia Mosaic is the... It's a place of our uh, online church. And, and here's some of the questions that we are wrestling with. The role of social media in spirituality. And we now know it's not either or. It is and. The future is a spirituality with social media. And we wonder about the new phenomena of hybrids in our midst. What would be a healthy, good way? How do I determine what, when, where, how, online, in person, that really helps me to grow and to become healthy. And then, of course, a big question that we live with is how do we move and how people move from a crowd to the congregation? Now, the last app is Mosaic. And this is a new app. It's got to be established to become an emerging app. And this would be our new English congregation. At the moment, we have a ministry by Afrikaans-speaking people to our English-speaking members. And we change our philosophy where we said 35 years ago, we are going to be an Afrikaans congregation. We are changing it and say, not only you know, like the church in Jerusalem were very homogeneous. Uh, they, were, they were Hebrews, dominantly. Uh, but the, 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 the church in Antioch, were, were, there was something totally different. It, it wasn't a very busy um, hub of commerce where that church started. And there was a big diversity, culturally and in many ways in that church. So, that's what we are planning to do. And um, we, uh, first step would be for us to determine the scope of this work, but to look for a leader and a teacher for this community. Tarin is at this moment a pastor in the English speaking ministry, and she will, al she will also be the pastor of the English speaking uh, community and she will give 50% of her time to this community in ministering them um, the philosophy of ministry would be the same as the rest of the hubs 
we live from the same core. So it would be same ethos, the same philosophy, the same theology, ecumenical spirituality for this future congregation. So how will you get there? Well, what they did is they divided the work. And after they divided the work, they appoint people for the specific works that they've identified. They lay hands on them and they pray for them. So that's our first talk, determine uh, the scope of the work, then divide it, and then uh, we would like to lay hands on people. So if there's something happening inside of you this moment and you feel, I want to be part of this, I want to give myself to this. Um, Paul writes to the young Timothy, fan the flame inside of you. This God's gift is a, f- you can fan that flame and you can experience something of what God wants you to do with your life. One time a year, we'd come to you and we'd ask you to f- contribute financially to this work. Now, this offerings. And a lot of times that's where giving starts. That's when you attend the service or so. If you look online and you give something, that's our offering. But then there's another way to give. Tithe. And usually they build on each other. That's when I start to make a commitment to give 10%. And some can't start at 10%. But I give out of my income. Most of us monthly. But if you're a developer every two years, three years, out of the money that I get and I give to the work of God. Now, interesting thing. Only once in the Bible does God say, test me. Now, years ago, this is what we did. We challenged the congregation. We said, challenge him. If you don't tie, challenge and hundreds of people decided to tithe for the first time. God said, and we said, if it doesn't work for you, after six months, we'll give you the money back. If you feel you've made a mistake. I spoke to somebody yesterday, he calls me Johnny, and he said, Johnny, I still remember it. 30 years ago, when I heard this, I decided to start tithing. You know where I was. You know what was happening in my life. As I look back, and I realized I've given a few million rands over the years to the work of God. And I am so thankful. That is worth everything to me in my life. And um, so um, you, you're invited. If you don't tithe, do it. Take that chance. It's in faith. At any time, if you say, I can't keep it up or what, you, you don't do it anymore. The other way to give is for invest, and that's for our projects. We are busy, busy building a school at the moment in one place. We, uh, we are part of an organization, took hands with an organization that builds a church every week. They finish a church. 52-week churches a year. And they minister to over 100,000 pastors in Africa trying to equip them to do their work better. There's so much that we do. 
So if you want to give to invest in these projects, you're welcome to do that then. Now the QR codes would appear on the screen and uh, you can just take the link to the chat function. If you don't want to make use of the uh, screen, then you will, it will immediately take you to our giving page. And there you will have the options available of tithing or uh, invest or an offering that you would like to give. You have an opportunity to do it now. Thank you.
Thank you for your willingness and your participation in giving. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this life that you've given us. And thank you for the church through which we've heard about you. And help us to become disciples that taught us about the faith that encouraged us, forgave us, supported us, reprimanded us. We thank you for this life together and help us to build it. And we ask, let your kingdom come in Jesus' name. Amen. Receive the blessing of the Lord. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Amen.